The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.
It's an interesting language in that, that psalm that we don't really use much today. It's not often that you would speak in a normal conversation with someone about a stronghold or a fortress. It's not part of common language in Australia. Stronghold is a a safe place. It's a refuge where someone might flee to when they feel their life is in danger. In Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, the stronghold of Rohan is Helm's Deep. And so when the armies of Saruman are are seeking to destroy the, the people of Rohan, where do they go to? They flee to Helm's Deep, to their stronghold. Today, a stronghold for you might be something in the form of of your shed. Maybe that's the place you go, you retreat to when you you feel you need a safe place. Or maybe it's a friend's place. Maybe when you feel a bit distressed or threatened, you you think, I need to, I've got a friend. I know I can go there and be safe. A few months back, there was a quite a storm that ripped through our, our area where we live. Lots of lightning, real close. And as the light goes out, the kids start to panic. Not me, obviously. Kids start to panic. And where was the stronghold for our family that night? Well, it was our bedroom. Partly under the covers, too. See, it makes sense. It's natural for us that when we feel threatened when, when darkness is around us, when distress is there. We flee to a stronghold. When storms rip through our life, our life circumstances, when we feel darkness closing in around us, maybe there's a circumstance in our life that we're finding distressing. Maybe we see death as a, a very real threat. Where can you turn? Well, the psalmist, King David, knew what it was like to have these things in his life. He knew better than many people would have. And where did he turn when these things closed in? Well, he turned to God. These verses here, verses 1 to 3, Basically saying that because David's faith, his trust, his confidence is in the Lord, David can face any crisis that might come his way without being paralyzed by fear. David says, knowing that the Lord is my light, my salvation, the stronghold of my life, brings me confidence in the face of fear. The phrase there, the Lord is my light, is unique to Psalm 27 in the scope of the Psalter. Light is naturally seen as a, a positive thing, isn't it? It's a positive figure. It represents life. And, and like daylight might dispel the darkness of the night time. Darkness can also be used as a metaphor for, for things that would encroach on us, things that might make us feel vulnerable, 
of that vulnerability that we feel because of our physical circumstances, or maybe vulnerability that we feel because of other people's attitudes and actions towards us. Some might feel the darkness of vulnerability due to their own, what they perceive as failures in life. Thoughts of failure, thoughts of inadequacy, thoughts of hopelessness. These things might have us feel like the darkness is closing in around us. Well, friends, light counters darkness. And it lifts the oppression that darkness brings. Elsewhere in the Bible, there are references to the Lord being locked. And it's often used in those contexts as a metaphor for God's presence and His purpose. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14, a brilliant example of this. It talks about Jesus being the light the life of mankind. It speaks not just about God's presence, but also His purpose there. Following on in our passage from life, David says the Lord is His salvation. Salvation is what David needs, what he desires in times of distress. And Exodus 14 shows us the Lord being both light and salvation to His people, Israel. They've come out of Egypt. They're heading to the promised land and they have this body of water, the Red Sea in front of them, and the Egyptian army coming up behind. Verses 19 and 20 of Exodus, Exodus 14 tells us that then the angel of the Lord who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. Israel's there following this pillar of light and cloud, symbolizing the Lord's presence and His purpose with them. They experience not just as their light, but as their salvation as he, he moves to the rear to protect them from the danger which is coming up behind. In the face of darkness and distress, David is confident that his life and salvation are found in the Lord Almighty. Therefore, he can face any crisis without being gripped by fear. This is the case even when an army, an enemy force, comes against him. And hence the change then from metaphor of light to a metaphor of a stronghold. Stronghold is a place of refuge, a place of safety where you might go to in the midst of the worst of circumstances of your life. When enemies come against David time and again, it is David who prevails. Why? Because David's stronghold, the one he trusts in those times, is the Lord. When enemies attacking David seeks his refuge in God, 
entrust himself, his life, to God. And being that no attacker can overpower God, no darkness can quench his light, no distressful situation can prevent his salvation, not even death itself, who then is there to fear? David doesn't deny the things of his life that bring him fear. Instead, what he does is he chooses to understand the darkness, the distress, and the death of his life in the context of who God is. God is the counter to these things. It should be the same for us, friends. It can be the same for us. See, the very presence and our awareness of fear and those things that would cause fear in our life. It should enable us to proclaim, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. He is my stronghold. And that confession should lead us to declare, therefore, who shall I fear? The Lord is David's light in darkness, his salvation in distress, his stronghold in battle. So therefore, it makes sense then that David should desire intimate relationship with the Lord, that he would desire to be where the Lord is. And that is what we find in verses 4 to 6. Keep an eye out for the gospel shape of these verses. Maura mentioned how verse 5 stands out to her. We're going to see why verse 5 stands out. David longs for intimate relationship with God to be constantly in his presence. And it's because only in the face of God can we see what is truly beautiful. That which is truly delightful, my soul. In the presence of God, those who trust in Him find grace, protection, and honor. For dwelling in the house of God enables one to gaze upon and inquire of the Lord. They receive forgiveness for their sins. They're able to make petitions to God. They're able to find protection. Verse 5, a special gospel verse, uses the images of God's shelter, His tent and a rock, as metaphors to speak to the protection, grace and honour that God provides for His people. The first statement David makes speaks of the protection found in an intimate relationship with God. He says that God will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. To hide me is to, to keep me safe. The shelter is a, a refuge word. So it might be like a, how a sheep 
a ship might find safety or seek to hide in a harbour to find safety from a storm. Or how a small animal might seek refuge in a, a thicket to be kept safe from a predator. The Lord provides protection for his people from that which would seek to harm them. He hides us in his shelter. The next statement speaks of grace found in an intimate relationship with God. It says, He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. The conceal me is a, a keep close, it means to keep me close. And the, the word tent there possibly alludes to the tabernacle, the place where Israel would come to offer their sacrifices to the Lord and seek his forgiveness for sin. David knew that his sin was the barrier between him and the Lord. The God's tent, the tabernacle, was key to his relationship with God. Because it was there where atonement for sin would be made. Where payment for sin would be made. And the reality is that for all of humanity, sin is the barrier that comes between our relationship with God. But because of sin, intimate relationship with God is not possible without a place, without God's tent being available to us where sin can be atoned for, where sin can be paid for. God has made that place available to us. John chapter 1 verse 14, speaking of Jesus, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling or tabernacle among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. In the tabernacle of God, in the person of Jesus, atonement for sin is made. Payment for sin is made. Forgiveness of sin. Jesus, uh, sorry, David, when he comes to the Lord, not only does intimate relationship with God mean that he finds protection and grace, in the presence of God, David also finds honor in his intimate relationship with God. That final statement there of verse 5 speaks of honor found in an intimate relationship with God. It says, He will lift me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. That act of lifting is an act of honoring. And in relationship with God, David is lifted up. He's honored. He's honored above all his enemies. He's victorious over his enemies. And having been honored by the Lord, 
David honors the Lord by offering sacrifices and praise to God. And that should be our response as well, shouldn't it? Friends, if you have come into an intimate relationship with God, He has honored you. It makes sense that we should honor Him for that, right? We know that it's only by His grace that this can happen, that we don't deserve this. David then seeks to live his life in devotion and obedience to the Lord. His devotion to God is seen in his devotion to learn God's love, to learn his way. Notice David's plea for God and his commitment to love God. In verses 7 to 10, he, he pleads for God's love and he commits to love God. See God's face as a term again of close, loving relationship, of knowing God's favour and love. Might help to think of a bride and groom on their wedding day when they give their vows, when they commit to one another. What do they do? They they turn and face one another. They seek the face of that world. To be honest. Uh, from a groom's point of view, you've been seeking the face of your bride for quite a while. But they, they turn and face one another. They seek the face of one another. They declare their vows. They devote themselves to a close, loving relationship with one another. But their, their devotion is not just a decree that is made on one special day. No, it's actually a lifestyle that they pursue day after day of their marriage, isn't it? David knows that the best of human love falls short of God's love. He knows that even when human love gets to its breaking point, as it might be in a, a parent's relationship with their child, or a parent might turn their back on their child or forsake their child, even when that closest of human relationships fail, David knows that God's love will still take us in. A common picture on the, on the news is this last week might be that first day of school in New Year, especially with preppies. They get, they get a good run on in the media, don't they? And often the, the picture is those tears, right? Maybe, maybe you've been in that situation as a parent or as a, as a child where they, they want to cling to the parent. They don't want the parent to leave them. But the time comes where separation is required. The parent separates from the child and then they turn their back on their child when they leave. I don't want to bring up any sense of guilt that anyone might be feeling. I just found a really good illustration. It's a heartbreaking picture, isn't it? When the parent turns their back on their child. David says that God's love will never get to that point. And God loves you when you are his child. 
He will never forsake you. David's devotion to God goes beyond just seeking safety and love. His devotion to know God includes his desire to learn God's ways and to walk in them, to be led by God. David says, teach me your ways, Lord. Lead me on a level path. The Lord's way refers to his manner of life or his his mode of action. A level path is not for the purpose of comfort for David. Nor should it be for us. A level path is a path that is sure and right. It is a path that we can be confident in. To know that where we step is sound. It's solid ground. David's enemies, however, it's not as they are as verse 2 tells those who stumble and fall. We are to be people who learn God's way, who are led by Him. And the Apostle Paul gives the church a reminder of the desires and devotion of those who are, le- who are learning and being led by God. It's uh, in Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to just cover verses 22 and on. You know, they know this passage well. It's a passage that Paul writes to the church, those who confess the name of Jesus. And he reminds them that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one each other. Those who are devoted to God seek to learn His way and be led by Him. And that's what the Spirit does. Those who are devoted to seeking the Lord are also devoted to learning His way. They're devoted to being led by Him. And these three actions of devotion are all intertwined. Not so they enable each other. If we seek God, we will learn His way and allow ourselves to be led by Him. If we are learning His way, we will seek Him and allow ourselves to be led by Him. We are led by Him. We do this by seeking Him and learning His ways. See if this makes any sense. If you can mind it. Seek God by learning and being led by Him. If you want to learn God's way, do it by seeking Him and being led by Him. If you want to be led by God, do it by seeking Him and learning His way. And He's given us the means by which to do this. 
these intertwined acts of devotion to God are also intertwined acts of discipline. See, we are to, to seek His face in love through worship, both as individuals and corporately as a group. So we come here and we sing praises to God. We open His Word. We talk with one another. We're encouraged by one another. We learn His way through reading His Word. Again, both as individuals and as a congregation, as a church. Please don't think it's possible to learn the ways of God without reading His Word. Please don't leave that to me. Please don't think that you can come along on a Sunday and that's your learning God's way because it's all going to just keep home. You're lodging it. No. We need to be reading His Word, not just together corporately, but as individuals, learning His way. But to allow God to lead us through prayer, right? Prayer is a response to what we have read in His Word. Prayer with one another. Through conversations with one another. Talking about what we're dealing with. Seeking wise counsel. By doing these things, we are led by God. See, friends, devotion to God is both practical and relational. It's not enough to desire intimate relationship with God and yet do nothing in the devotion department. It's not enough to say, Lord, I want you, but to then do nothing practically about that. Like David, devotion to God to be our one thing. The priority of our lives that influences every decision, every relationship, every habit, every area of our lives to be influenced by that one thing, that priority. To know God, to be devoted to Him. So Psalm 27 then concludes in a similar way to where it started. Concludes with David's confidence in the Lord. Says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of God in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. You share David's confidence today. You share it because God is your life. Your salvation, your stronghold. When darkness comes upon you in life, and it will, is Jesus your light? When you feel distressed and you need saving, 
Is he the one you look to? Would you trust in something else as your Savior? There's all sorts of things we can trust in We can rely on other people to save us. We can put our trust in our own abilities and resources to get us out of the mess. David says we should look to God as our salvation. What about when death might come knocking at your door? What is your strong hope? What is your place of safety? Is it God? Is it some other comfortable place for you? Do you retreat to Him? Or do you retreat somewhere else? Is an intimate relationship with Him the one thing that you long for in your life, or is something else? take that top spot. There's something else got that priority. Are you devoted to learning His way? To seeking His face? To being led upon His path? If so, let Psalm 27 be an encouragement to your heart this morning, friends. Believe that you shall one day look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And be encouraged to wait for the Lord, to be strong, to let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. Let me pray. The loving Heavenly Father, we thank you. Well, we thank you knowing that we can only love you because you have made a way, because you have loved us. Lord, you know each one of us intimately. You know what makes us tick. You know what causes us to fear. You know that. And yet, wow, Lord, because you love us and are gracious, because you are powerful, because nothing can overcome your light, nothing can thwart your salvation, not even death itself. Lord, you are our light, you are our salvation, you are our stronghold. You call us to come to you to seek your face, to be in intimate relationship with you when things are great, as well as when things like darkness and distress and death surround us. So, Father, I thank you for that. And, Lord, I know that for some of us, that is a particular time we're experiencing you. Maybe darkness is very real for us. We, we feel so very vulnerable. Maybe it's our circumstances. Maybe it's other people's actions or attitudes towards us that 
are making us feel vulnerable. Maybe it's just something going on in our minds. Lord, will you be our light? We know you've answered there, Lord. Move us to cry out to you. To be our light. To be our salvation in distress. To be our stronghold in the battle. Because we pray these things in and through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.